Dare we open Pandora's mystic box? To every generation, a slayer is born, except this time, there were six. This is the dimension of imagination. You are entering the mystic zone. Do you ladies see that aura? Something wonderful this way comes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Mystic Order podcast. Today, our topic is going to be phobias. First, though, let's do our introductions. I'm Margie, the Illuminator Mystic. I'm Marion, the Mystic Dog Whisperer. And I am Gail, the Queen. And I am Mary. I'm the Nebulous Mystic. And I am Katie. I am the Mystic Truth Teller most of the time. And I'm Joanne. I am the Defender Mystic, and I still don't know why. <laughs> because I retired. <laughs> Uh, Mary, have you got the definition of nebulous for us today? Yes, it means birthed among the stars, or just a nursery for stars. That's me, starlight. Oh, how sweet. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, as usual, we're going to start with a week that was mystic. And who would like to go first? Gail? Well, my entire week was mystic because Mystic Katie and Mystic Queen were traveling out west. But I picked my most mystic moment to share with our podcast audience. My most mystic moment, although we had many, was Wayfarer's Chapel. And that is a chapel that is designed by Lloyd Wright, the son of Frank Lloyd Wright. And it is in Palos Verdes and... It's absolutely gorgeous. It's on a cliff overlooking the ocean. It's in a towering redwood forest and is made of glass. And inside it is blooming white and only white orchids. Oh, lovely. And the last time I went, there were so many brides lined up to get married there, we couldn't go inside. And this time we were all by ourselves. And it was absolutely fabulous. A few little facts that I think are interesting. Radar from MASH was married there. Jane Mansfield and Mickey Haggerty were married there. And then on February 6th, 1995, Beach Boy leader Brian Wilson got married at the chapel, and his fellow bandmates attended, as did his daughters, Carney and Wendy, who sang God Only Knows. (laughs) The vibrations in this chapel, said Brian Wilson, were wonderful. Good, good, good. Good vibrations. God Only Knows. (laughs) Obviously, singing career is not in my... No, me either. (laughs) Well, I might follow that up. Queen Mystic and I did take a trip out west. We went west, young women, and had quite a number of experiences. To me, the most mystical part of that was that for a lot of the trip, our tour guide was the Prince Mystic Rivers. And it was the most amazing experience to see the world with him and through his eyes because he really knows his stuff, and he was funny and smart and knowledgeable and everywhere we went he could tell us something about it but the best part that was probably the worst part for Gail was that we were in Joshua Tree and so Miss uh, Rivers and I were playing uh, Graham Parsons as we drove through Joshua Tree and Gail was in the back seat so (laughs) she's like what music is that so anyway but that was there were many 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 parts of that week that were mystical it really was it was a fabulous trip made it truly 
Amazing. Well, let me say something about the Mystic Prince. I ended up saying, no, Katie, you sit up front with Rivers because I think if I hear one more encyclopedia moment, my brain is going to explode. But who taught him those encyclopedia <laughs> moments, Gail? <laughs> I'm envious. It looked like a great trip. And will we have some photos, maybe? Oh, yes. Right away, we'll be putting Wayfarer's Chapel online so everyone can see it. It's absolutely m- moving, I guess. My mystic week was highlighted by a trip to the eye doctor yesterday. <laughs> Oh, that's so mystic. <laughs> I know. I couldn't see all day, but my eyes are fine. It was illuminating, though, wasn't it? It was illuminating. It really made me mad. I couldn't even go outside. Okay. <laughs> I guess we better go over now our mystic opus corner. I have a recommendation from my book club, a book I just finished. Queen lent me her copy from the library while she was out west, and it's called Why Fish Don't Exist by Lulu Miller. And it's quite interesting, and actually fish don't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Read the book, and you'll find out. Oh. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, I read half of it and then had to go on the airplane, so I said, Margie, do you want this book? She's in my book club, so you want to read this book while I'm gone. So don't tell me how it ends. Okay. If if fish don't exist, what am I going to eat tonight? It's Friday. What you're eating may be related to some other animal you had no idea about. Oh, wait. I'm so sorry. I interrupt this mystic podcast. We all had a mystic moment. Y'all, the mystics almost broke up this week. Or might have been last week. Oh, over over the statue? Yes. Joanne's priest went on Marie Kondo, and he got rid of the Virgin Mary. And you tell it, Joanne. I'm still kind of mad. We have a new pastor who decided to... Clean out. He was a Marie Kondo fan, obviously, and I rescued Mary, Joseph, and St. Vincent de Paul. I told Margie about it because Mary needs a little upkeep, as does Joseph, and so I asked our illuminator to help me with the colors to patch up and touch up the Blessed Mother's makeup. Margie actually asked me if I could share it with everyone. And I have never known the mystics to be such religious people (laughs) until (laughs) they saw the Blessed Mother. She was seat belted in, in the front seat of my car. And you're right, then it began as to why each of them should receive the Blessed Mother. I think we should go around the table and tell why we each should get it and let our listeners vote on who gets it. Well, there's only one listener and he always votes for me. No, but my name is Mary, and my husband is Joseph. I mean, that is so deserving. My name means of the Virgin Mary. And I'm the queen, and I get anything I want. And and I'm happy to let Joanne keep Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. We better change the subject right. before we Who get to has a the most statues in their house. I am the saint of the mystics because I'm not going to fight over these. <laughs> Bingo, maybe Katie wins. I told them, though, that I would, um, after we touch her up, I would let Mary, the Blessed Mother, not the mystic, make a decision and I'll let y'all know. Well, thank you. Well, if we vote for Gail. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, back to the podcast. Uh, Let's go back to the Opus Corner. Anyone? Marion. I walked out this week and there was a scrap metal locust on the front of my house that my mystic son, who was 
learning welding had created and unbeknownst to me attached to the front of my house so anybody passing by right behind the gardenia there's a sort of sort of abstract locust lurking looking over the brown eyed well, it is kind of the year of the locust isn't yeah it? Yeah. Well, that so that's, that's I want my, one. That's my opus for I want this week. I love a lovely lurking looking locust <laughs> to go with my Mary. Was it a book? It's a scrap metal thing <laughs> welded. To, no, it was not the day of the locust. It was an actual locust I by think day. Our, isn't our opus corner for books? It's it's not, I actually had to look it up because I don't even know what that means. An opus <laughs> is a large piece of art right. or a section of a it, musical composition. It means work. Oh. Yes. A large a body work. of work. It could or be a any, large work. Work. Right. any work. Like any an work. opera. Okay. Any, anyone else read? <laughs> Mystics? Oh, yeah. I read Becoming Duchess Goldblatt and it was fantastic. And then I read and, and currently reading Faith, Madness, and Spontaneous Human Combustion, which is also one of my favorite books. Thank you, Marion. And both of those have been discussed on former podcasts. Okay, well, I'm going to go on to our stamp of excellence. And I have a stamp right off. Marion, our mystic, had an essay in Farmerish. Farmer-ish. Oh, that's what y'all were talking. And it's quite excellent. What is it's it? It's why she doesn't have any chickenpox scars. Oh. It's called the Avon Diamond. The Avon Diamond. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And you mailed it into a magazine called The Farmer? Farmer-ish. Farmer-ish. Mm-hmm. It's electronic. The whole thing was done electronically. So you it's an electronic magazine? Yes. Oh, and okay. you can find those online with Well, farmers. maybe our person who's dealing with the podcast will, will uh, I mean, the, uh, that would be Mary. what are you doing? That would be Mary. Our Facebook page will give us a link. It's been up there for days. Oh, has it? <laughs> yes. I ought to look at that page sometime. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. It's up there. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I have one. My stamp of excellence is in film. And it's a film I saw on the Delta flight, and it's called The Booksellers. And it's a documentary about rare book collectors and dealers. And there's a, some commentary in there by Fran Lebowitz, who has her own streaming documentary, which is fabulous, where she talks with Martin Sikorsky. Sikorsky? Sikorsky. Sikorsky. But I have uh, sold rare books myself, and there's a lot of joy in it, but there's a lot of work a lot of research figuring out what it is and um so i enjoyed it just listening to all these people who deal with some of the thing well more deal than i do with some of the things i dealt with when i was back when i was working my mystic opus is called rising road and it's about a murder in birmingham back in the 1920s a methodist minister walked up to the front porch. Of is this Catholic. a book? It is a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's excellent. It's your I should not even be on this podcast. No, it's you're really wonderful. Am. You I are am wonderful. just cuckoo today, but it was a book, and I forgot about it when it was my turn because all the um, microphones are down at that end of the... <laughs> <laughs> what is she talking about? Yeah. Well, we took away your microphone because of your particular problem today. I know. And, and um, for that reason, you can cut all of this out. <laughs> no, wait, wait. We want to hear about your book. 
What happened to the preacher? Tell yeah, us what happened. Go on, Joanne. A crime has been committed. It is about a priest that was murdered on his front porch by a Methodist minister. Is this true? It is a true story. And the Methodist minister obviously went to trial for murder. There were many, I mean, it was on a, a public street in Birmingham. Many people saw the murder, witnessed it, and Hugo Black represented the murderer. murderer the murderer and got him off on a plea of temporary insanity because the priest had married his daughter to a Puerto Rican man and well had also converted her to Catholicism and then had married her in the church to a Puerto Rican man. Is this in the library? I don't know if it's in the library. I have it in my in my I have it in my in my office. Uh, so. Did Marion write this book because their story is quite similar? Mystic Marion. Nobody, Ryan. but nobody has shot Marion's daddy, who is not a Methodist minister, and he didn't shoot anybody from Marion. What's the name of this book? It's called Rising Road. Rising Road. And it's written, I'm sorry that I don't remember the authoress, but it's uh, written by a lady, and she did just extreme research. It's really written like, it's well-written, interesting, carries well, but it has a probably 60-page bibliography in the back from where she pulled from court records, different records, newspaper articles of the time. So it's very well done. Thank you. (laughs) Cool, Joanne. Thank you very much. Joanne does have an ear infection, and I hope it's not contagious because we're sharing a microphone. <laughs> this is the problem. I don't have a microphone. Neither does Katie. Okay, well, that's your excuse. <laughs> okay, no. Okay, uh, yes, Mary. I have a stamp of excellence. Joe and I just started watching last night the Ken Burns documentary about Muhammad Ali. Oh, oh yeah. We were watching just made it for the first one, and it is so good and he's such a wild man and I don't have anything to say about it except that I highly recommend it so far. Where are you? How far have you got? I finished the first season or the first chapter or well, I think I don't he's know how just long. It's won, just he's just he's just won the uh, national sunny list. And yeah, that's where I am. That I do have fabulous. something very interesting to say about that. That night, I had a date with someone whose father owned the motel chain promoting that fight, and we went over to the Villanova. Everyone in the Villanova, all the Italians in the Villanova, had voted for Muhammad Ali. I mean, had <laughs> gambled for Muhammad yeah. Ali, not Sunny Liston. Their interesting. Guy. Later, when I started thinking about this, I realized a moment in history with me there. Yes. I went on my very first date ever to the Villanova with Nasera's grandson, who owned the, Nasera, who owned the Villanova's grandson. I wish she'd been there that night. I wasn't there the night of a big fight. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Well, I will say this. It rekindled my interest in Malcolm X. I read Autobiography of Malcolm X when I was pretty young. It went straight on my top ten books because of his experiencing as he wrote it. So all of the, when he was so enamored with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he's experiencing all of that, and then he begins to fall out. And so his writing is autobiography, and you can see it through very fresh eyes. It's not in hindsight. It's in 
present site or whatever. It's just so good, and um, he's such an interesting character. And I did not know how connected he and Muhammad Ali were. I have one more stamp of excellence to add to the list. Are we still on the show? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Just wanted to make sure. One day we're going to talk about phobias. So I went for the first time this week to the Melanin Cafe, which is a new and eerie Cafe. Cue the, cue the music. Cue the music. Gosh, that was totally, totally cool, actually. It was. <laughs> so uh, the Melanin Cafe is a new cafe in Opelika in um, a little sort of strip mall area. And it's run by uh, a black woman and her husband who are everything on the menu relates back to black history and various things. And I will say I usually drink my coffee with cream because I'm a wimp and because Black coffee has to taste really good, but I got black, just plain black coffee there. It was so good. I was able to drink the whole cup without a touch of cream. I have not eaten there yet, but I intend to soon. So I'll come back with another stamp of excellence. Now or take a us with you. Okay, yeah. let's well, all We've already talked about maybe if they'll let us podcast in right. there one day. Oh, that sounds yes. perfect. Sometime soon. So just on your radar screen, Melanin Cafe, if you're in the Opelika area. Well, that was the Mystic Prince. Earlier, we had some technical difficulty, and I called the Mystic Prince, and that was the noise you heard. But we got over our technical difficulty because we are, if nothing else, technical geniuses. Well, one of us is. Mary is. <laughs> one of us is. <laughs> well, I think it might be time for the Mystic CC. And that's traveling. That's traveling. Before I go sideways again, <laughs> I better do my Mystic C, and then I can go back to my nap. Jimmy and I, if you follow the podcast, you know, have been doing a lot of traveling in what he calls the dry boat. It is an RV. And this last week, we went up to the Bankhead National Forest, right outside of Jasper, Alabama, to a darling little place called Clear Creek. It was coolish in the mornings. We were across from White Lake, and it was just lovely. We did a hike about on something called Raven Trail, and one day we went half the trail. Yes, it was nice. It was easy. They called it an easy trail. The second day, we went the other half, and there was a closed sign there. But it was because we knew that it was because the steps were wet. And so we ignored <laughs> the closed sign. And about two-tenths of a mile in, we came to the reason why. Apparently, they had had either a tornado or a straight-line wind. And there were huge trees on the trail. The Raven Trail. The Raven Trail, yes. And so we, being the cautious people that we are, said, shoot, let's go over the trees and find out where the trail goes to. <laughs> But many of the places were absolutely mystical, had rained hard than that morning. And we went to buy these huge outcroppings of rock that would remind you of the Pueblo Indian outcroppings that you see in Arizona. Huge. I mean, just coming over like a porch. There would be waterfalls falling off of them because of the rain the night before. It was absolutely mystical. And this was the Raven Trail. Yes, it was off the Raven Trail. It's in Clear Creek Recreational Forest. So speaking of ravens and going back to the travels of Queen Mystic and her sidekick, me, the first place we stayed on our trip was called the Raven Ridge Ranch. And we can't tell you anything else about it because we have to go into witness protection. But it was fabulous. I just wanted to say that that was in Tucson, Arizona. And while we were there, we had other tour guides, which would be Joanne and Sue. Joanne is Gail's cousin-in-law. Is right, Bobby's cousin. Right. My husband Bob's so cousin. So 
I will she's, not. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. She's the only one in the family that can tolerate the queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, she and she and Sue, her roommate, were wonderful tour guides for us there, too. So I just did not yeah, want to go Yeah, we went to, to Tupac. Past. Y'all ever heard of that? Tupac. Tupac. See, I Tupac hadn't heard of it either. Rap star. was a rap Tupac. <laughs> the Tupac of beer. <laughs> we had a Tupac of beer at Tupac. My Mystic Sea was also on the trip, and I mention this because I think our uh, we went to two bookstores, and I've talked on this podcast before about the last bookstore, which is marvelous in downtown Hollywood. And we also went to the Iliad, and both of those bookstores are near or in L.A. They're both fabulous, and they need our support. If you're out there and planning to go to L.A. or nearby, please go to either the last bookstore, the Iliad. Or, or any the bookstore, wherever yeah, you are. Right. That's right. Any end of, If you're in Auburn, go to our independent bookstores. The one thing I wanted to say about that when I was thinking about how there's this dirty rumor out there that books are dying and it's all going to be electronic, I started thinking about, during the pandemic, everyone that was interviewed, with rare ex- exception, was sitting in front of their bookcase. Yeah, but a lot of those are just props. Well, they might be, but every one of them were different because I took a great, I got my magnifying glass and went up to the TV so I could see what they were reading. And they were sort of reading what they would be reading in their particular characters. Well-placed props. Yeah. No, I, I, I hope they'll come back. I mean, I, they're not gone in my house, that's for sure. Well, you know, usually when you have books for show, they're leather with gold lettering on them. And these weren't particularly, some of them were stacked up backwards. And so that's a, although mine are perfectly neat, which I'll talk about later, but most book readers <laughs> have their books in no order. <laughs> well, I have a Mystic C, even though I don't go. Were you through, Gail? Yeah. Okay, so I don't go anywhere, but so I pulled out my old travel journal when I used to travel for the State Department of Education, and I went all over Alabama. And I've opened to this page, and I'm going to read y'all real short about a, a trip that I took to the Dixie General Store up there by Mount Chiaha. Here you go. Lovely Aniston, so hilly and green. I finally stopped at the Dixie General Store on the way home. I was very transparent with them that I was just there for photos. The man in the bright yellow wife beater, tattoos covering his arms, said through his missing toothed mouth, Well, I'm a Yankee. I'm from West Virginia. Well, that's Dixie, said the skinny girl next to him. If West Virginia ain't Dixie, what's it doing on my belt buckle, huh? And then she said it again. They helped me decide where to pose for my selfie and then gave me my very own Confederate flag and told me, have a pleasant day, (laughs) ma'am. I'll share a picture, but I don't want to get canceled for it. Okay. (laughs) Happy to hear that. Yes. Sorry about that Dixie General store. Well... And we're going to go on to our mystic bites, and I have to give a send-up to my uh, granddaughter, Maggie, Maggie Mason. She comes over once a week and cooks dinner for us. Her really great dinner she did, she used some leftover spaghetti we had and did it with baked chicken breast, spinach, tomatoes, and it was quite delicious. She's quite a good cook. Are we on travel? 
Uh, we just left bites. travel. <laughs> you left. Oh, we're on bites. We're on bites. Okay. Now, if you want to do something travel and bite, that's no, no, good with me. I'm, I'm ready to talk about my crazy Gail. phobia. But wait, I'm not are done. Gail, are you on hang on. extra strength Tylenol as well? Yes, yes, I am. Margie, that recipe sounds good and kind of like the Mediterranean diet food, which I'm supposed to be eating because of my inflammation. <laughs> so I think you should share that recipe. I will. I will Thank share you. it with you. It's, we'll put it online. It was quite good. I had some good Mystic Bites this week. My friend Kat, who's also a listener of our podcast, sent a care package to my door. And it included a lot of things that she grew out on her farm near Salem, organic farm near Salem. But one of the things was pink okra. And it was very, very good. Ooh la la. Very good. Thank you, Kat. Yay, Kat. Y'all, you won't believe this because this is Mystic Mary, but... T.P. Joe brought us some okra, and it was more than we could eat, and I pickled it, and it's good. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Mary, Mary. <laughs> Can you believe Did it? you bring us a taste tonight? I meant to, and I forgot. First collard greens and then the world. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't pink okra. I wish it was. I've planted enough collards for all you mystics. So oh, good. Yeah. In about a month, you can have your – one head of a collard will – I gave you a head last year, and how many dishes did you get out of it? I can't tell you how many. We ate collards for a long time, and we loved them every time. Kat also sent eggs that her little chickens laid, and some of them are the cutest little tiny eggs. They made tears come in my eyes. But you ate them anyway? Yeah. Well, I mean, why not? They've been put in the refrigerator. That's right. Because they were cute. Uh, well, they, they'll rot if you don't. I know, but we should poke holes in them and blow the whites well, out. We could blow do the yolk out and paint them like your aunt we did could for do, you. Like Aunt Evelyn, we could certainly do that. Is the pink okra, does it taste different than no, the No, it doesn't taste different, and it turns colors after it's cooked. It, does, it doesn't stay pink after it's cooked. Mystic. What color? Okra. Sort of greenish. Oh, well, guess what? It's time for our topic. Phobias. <laughs> And, um, We've been just, together too long, I just, think. <laughs> just to kind of introduce, I, I have a list of a thousand phobias, but we're not really going to do it that way. But I would just like to point out there are four major specific phobia categories, which are fear of uh, natural environment, animals, mutilation or medical treatment, and then situations. So all the phobias kind of fit into those four categories, but I'm sure there's some kind of outside of that too. We can try to figure out which ones the ones we talk about today fit into. Oh, that's a good idea. So you count me in for social. Okay, okay. <laughs> so we're going to throw out one phobia at a time, and uh, let's just begin with our queen. Well, I'm starting with my phobia, which is ataxophobia, fear of messiness or disorder. It's an anxiety disorder, and then I found out later all phobias are anxiety <laughs> disorders. <laughs> I thought only I had an anxiety <laughs> disorder. I'm very disappointed. It's also obsessive compulsive, which, okay. But the symptoms of fear of messiness, if you have it, you have to have three of these symptoms, and they are nausea, feeling of dizziness, fear of impending doom, excessive sweating, tremors, hot cold flashes, butterflies in the stomach, disorientation, excessive anxiety when exposed to untidiness, that's one for me, 
Excessive anxiety when thinking about untidiness. That's two for me. Excessive urge to arrange or order things. Uh-oh, I think I've got this phobia. <laughs> Full-blown panic attacks and avoiding situation where one fears one might encounter untidiness. Uh-oh, Uh-oh. I'm sick. But let me say, there's some Gail Langley symptoms that which, I've come up with myself. I was going to say, which is the reason that Gail never comes to any of the other mystics' <laughs> homes? <laughs> She's afraid of us. <laughs> well, I always do a neti pot when I get home, so I'm, I'm good. But my symptoms, which I think should be added to the list, is an unusual fondness for cleaning, a desire to organize friends and even not friends' homes, garages and shelves. And I've actually changed things when friends were out of the room getting our coffee. <laughs> Donating and gifting items, not because I'm kind, but I want to keep my own home uncluttered. I thought so. (laughs) And excessive admiration for David Beckham, who has this too. Maria Kondo, Monk, and Professor T. They all are afflicted with the same thing I have. David Beckham actually has organized his closet so that each shirt hangs according to its color. And listen, David... I'm almost cured because I only do this when the seasons change and I get all my white clothes together and all my black pants and everything. And sometimes I'll open my closets (laughs) to show it to visitors. (laughs) Mystic road trip to Gail's closet. (laughs) And I've actually... I've actually had them be alarmed. <laughs> actually, I, I arranged my color, but it's pretty easy because everything I own is black. black. <laughs> Gail, you have got to, we've got to go visit my mother. You will be so enamored with her studio and her notebooks. Is she clean and oh, organized? Oh, yes. Oh, good. Yes, you'll love good. it. I have four of these symptoms, so I guess I have it. And then, But my last thing is, I read a little bit of how you can easily overcome this. It's not that bad, but I don't want to overcome it. <laughs> and what I really, really want is I want everyone to join me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I had a little of that. I have... I have resentfulness of cleaning. I can't stand it. Do y'all want to hear my phobia? Yes. My phobia, I didn't even look to see if there was a name for it. And I had it when I was little. And it was a fear of men (laughs) in business suits with briefcases. (laughs) You were probably smart to have that phobia from what I understand. I still fear them. (laughs) I do too. Is that like a men in black phobia? No, no, no. They could be gangsters. They just can be businessmen. Okay. It's antrophobia, fear of men. No, no, no. Not all men. Only men in business suits with briefcases. Does the Mental Health Organization of America recognize this phobia? I don't think so, but I'm going to tell you that it was really actually quite bad. I had really bad night terrors where they would come and they were always trying to take me away from my family. And they were always walking up over a hill with their briefcases at their sides. I and they think were, the fuller brush man got to you. I think it was just business as usual. And it <laughs> was so bad that when I was traveling out west one time and I was on a plane by myself and I was about 12, a businessman sat beside me and he had a briefcase. And I began to go into a full-fledged panic attack and they had to move me oh away from the, the man <laughs> in the business suit with the briefcase. Now... Does that's this have a name? Common sense, I think, because I'm still <laughs> afraid no, I'm talking of about them. the phobia. That's what I'm talking about. I would be willing to bet this came to you 
through the generations. Isn't it nuts? In your genetic code. I kind of got over it because I had to. But when I had my first child, the dreams came back. And the men in the business suits with the briefcases and the very, very business crisp voices were coming to take my child. Well, that's only if you don't pay your debts. Uh, my debts are paid, <laughs> to quote a little Hamilton. I like to think I have no phobias. I have fears, though. And there is a difference between fear and phobia. True. So fear is natural. and It's a self-preservation Phobia is when it becomes a little excessive and causes anxiety, and it's related usually to some something really specific. So for me, as Gail can attest, because one of our other travels, we got on a bridge that was a bridge too far for me. So it's heights that bother me. So that is acrophobia, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. It is, yes. Which is a more general thing. That includes a lot of different kinds of phobias. And it could be as much as everything from climbing up a ladder to climbing Mount Everest. For me, it's that I'm pretty sure that I'm going to just toss myself off. Mm -hmm. It's not that, and even when I'm there by myself and don't think anybody's going to push me, it's if I stand at the precipice, I figure it's me who's going to screw up and then you know, somehow throw myself off or maybe bad balance. Maybe I should work on my balance. So what fascinates me, and I think it's borders phobia, but what fascinates me more is the fears of others. So as we come back around, I want to talk a little bit about really strange phobias that people I adore have. Well, I think that's a phobia, fear of heights. Yeah, it is. Well, it does cause me anxiety. I will say that. Yeah, I I think you have a phobia like the rest of us. I don't (laughs) want you to feel... No, I want to be better than that. (laughs) I don't want you to feel like you're alone. Okay, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I have Jephirophobia, which is a fear of bridges. And I have always, just ever since I can remember, been afraid. I mean, driving over a bridge, walking over a bridge any type of thing. And I think part of it was that when we moved south, we would go back home occasionally and had to go through that tunnel bridge that would go up and over and up and over. So, But the tunnel part was actually soothing for me. <laughs> it was the bridge part. So I have tried to overcome the phobia. And I realize I fit all of those uh, anxiety and shaky legs and everything. And I try to overcome it by facing it head on. And so one day my boys and my husband and I were hiking and they took me across a swinging bridge and I had my dog with me. And I, I see everybody like, <gasps> and I thought, I'm gonna walk across this bridge. I am going to walk across this bridge. And so I started walking, and I got a little shaky-legged, and I was a little fearful. I was going slow, telling them to not get on because I didn't want any overt movement. And there were some people on the other side of the bridge watching this. And my dog was trotting along beside me. Good girl. And then you, you could look down. I couldn't look down, but you could. One could look down through the slats to see the river below. And the dog looked down. And so... As we were walking along, I got into more of a horse riding stance. Gail will understand this. Where <laughs> you were crawling, crouched down, <laughs> tai chi, and the dog did the same thing. And by the time we got across that bridge, she was doing a GI Joe crawl. <laughs> <laughs> but I, on um, the first time I had to face it was when we moved to Georgia. I had to cross the Chattahoochee River to get to school and had to walk across it. And I would, the first couple of times I stopped traffic because it was a, it was 
a bridge that you know had walkways on each side, but I could not be on the side, so I had to stop traffic and walk across, and then allow the cars to come. So, and it's still it is still there, but I am fighting to overcome it. Yeah, I think that one's pretty common. I kind of have that climbing up things. One time at Bandelier Monument in New Mexico, they climb up to these kiva things, and. I was telling my husband, I don't know that I can climb that ladder. And then these three kids of about eight and six years old came, you know, coming down. And I went, if those kids can do it, I can do it. (laughs) One phobia that I found that I thought was quite interesting, it's called octophobia. And it's the fear of opening your eyes. And it said in the notes, this can be extremely debilitating. (laughs) I'll say. No kidding. I can see how that would be a problem. Yeah. My perspective is it'd be a problem. Oh. Uh, We actually know someone that had that phobia. His first name was Laughing Waters. Or is that his first and second name? But I'm not going to say his last name because that would give it away. But um, he ended up having to go on disability. He couldn't open his eyes. He couldn't make himself open his eyes. That's wow. a true story. What happened to him? I don't know. This was out in Seattle. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully he got some therapy. <laughs> I hope so. Can you get therapy for closed eyes? Yeah. Well, I have some fears that y'all like to make fun of, like... <laughs> Not wanting to turn left. That's not a phobia. It's good common sense. And my most recent addition to my fears list, and I'm not going to cuss on the air, but it's roundabouts. This is a sad story. I need to go to the dentist. I have a temporary filling that I was supposed to go get made into a permanent filling two months ago. I don't dread the dental work. I don't dread. I'm not afraid of needles. I'm not afraid of having the tooth filled. I'm afraid I I have a route to the dentist. It used to be perfect. I'd go out there, I'd turn right onto his road, get my dental work done, leave, turn right again, come through Tigertown and come home by Publix to Gay Street. Now they've put a damned runaround. Roundabout. Roundabout. (laughs) Roundabout. And I'm... Now I can get to the dentist, but I can't get stuck forever. Because if I try to leave the way I came, I've got to turn left against traffic. If I try to do my old route that was so pleasant, I get in that ridiculous circle from hell. I'll be glad to drive you to the dentist. Would you You do that? Because it started to hurt. But 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 the dentist or the roundabout? The the temporary (laughs) feeling that I think has come out. I'm also have a lot of fear. I think my other fear, my other two fears, I think, are related. They're both situational. I'm terrified of going to doctors. Again, not because of getting shots, but I get sweaty palms at my upper lip. I don't know. I'm just scared. And the, okay, it has its own name. Is you're, that, you're trying to say you have these fears, but they really aren't fears. You know what they are? They're phobias. This is a, no, the run, the roundabout and the turning left is a fear. The doc, what I'm saying is the doctors and the other one I'm going to name are phobias. And they kind of fall under a similar category. The other phobia I have is getting trapped. It's going Ooh, to yeah. another town in a car with somebody and they tell me we're just going to go right there and come right back. And then they have five things they want to do after we get there that they didn't tell me about. Or getting trapped in my own house by company that comes and says, I'd like to spend a night. And three nights later, they're still there. <laughs> These are Most people are afraid of being trapped in elevators. 
the turning left, the roundabout, those are fears. The getting trapped, and both of the things I named as phobias have to do with feeling trapped. Mm-hmm. In a situation, in a not situa- like a cage. Right, trapped in a situation. And I never could watch the second season of The Bridge because of that detective son, the way he died in it. I, this idea of being trapped, even in my own home, by friends, are phobias for me. I see that. Marian, I just want to say that I am so complimented then that you would get in the car and go somewhere with me to hear oh, I somebody would, sing. I trusted you totally. Okay, I'm, I'm very But flattered. I have gone on other little trips with people that have told me, we're just going to ride there and come right back. And then they've had, and they've known before they tell me that, that they had 14 stops along the way in another town. When, when I went to Europe with the Mystic Prince, of course, they have roundabouts, roundabouts, and they know the rules of the roundabouts, too, which are, if you follow those rules, there's none of that. He loved them because he could go around and around and around and around until he figured out which <laughs> way, way we were supposed to go. And he said, this is marvelous. <laughs> you don't have to have a map. Well, I have just made up Marion's, the fear of left turn. There is, I could not find, because I knew Marion would come up with this, fear of left turn, but the fear of left-handedness is sinistrophobia, and then the the, um, fear of driving is vihophobia, and so I'm going to make it sinistrovihophobia. Well, maybe so. (laughs) That's a perfect phobia. Say that again. Sinistrovihophobia. This one isn't quite as interesting, but it's bibliophobia, and I have the opposite of it. Can you have an unphobia? Bibliophilia. Bibliophobia. Philia is the love of. Oh, I see. The opposite of. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, been don't, into don't mess with my meds. phobias. <laughs> but this is an unusual phobia of books, the fear of books. It's also the fear of reading out loud or in public. There are several subsets. There's the fear of... It's, Mythophobia, the fear of legends, and uh, metrophobia, the fear of poetry. So this has its own subsets, which I think is pretty. I love because you know I like an order in my phobias. <laughs> <laughs> but, she likes that phobia hierarchy going on here. <laughs> and then I started to think: Is there a book I I have a fear of reading, and I'm afraid I already read them, and I have a fear of rereading them, forgetting them because they were truly horrible. And so I'd like to mention four of them: The Help, The Shack. Fifty Shades of Anything and The Da Vinci Code gave me the phobia of fear of reading. Honey, I read The Notebook. Oh my God, you're sick. I used to read the, I used to read the love scene in The Notebook to my classes at Auburn as an example of bad writing. And they'd cry. Because how, how do you laugh your way through what's supposed to be a romantic sex scene and yet it's the most hilarious thing you've ever read? And they would all say... But I love the notebook. I think you're just bitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and oh, they're so right. <laughs> How did they know that? I don't know. <laughs> okay, I have another phobia. I'm really, really scared of bears. And I know that's a fear because it's common sense to be scared of bears, but I'm equally afraid and obsessed with them. When I was little, I was really obsessed with them. But now... It's a phobia enough so that I, there are places I would not go and be outside because of bears. And this is coming from someone who camped outside in Kenya 
like for a month. They don't have bears in Kenya. No, they don't. But I wouldn't go where they have bears. <laughs> and for someone who's so much nature, it's so and much, I love bears. It's so much yeah. better to be with lions, tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way better. Even if you can hear the lions grunting outside your tent at night, going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if it had been a bear I'd heard out there, I wouldn't have. I would not have gone. I think I have a fear of grunting. I was I was just listening to a podcast of how they can tell what kind of animal you were killed by if you oh. happen to be killed by an animal. And, oh. if, and a bear just kind of rips you apart because yeah. they don't like, you know, like lions and stuff have those things to, you know, yeah, they the just teeth. Get to, the yeah. bears, you know, like to eat, you know, fish and. Wheat. And of course, I've seen all the movies because. I'm as, kind of I'm as obsessed as I am phobic. But here's what I think it boils down to. When I was little, my dad had a friend who had a backyard zoo up near Gadsden somewhere, and we would go visit, and he had big cats and big animals in the backyard zoo. One of his sons had was missing his fingers because of one of the big cats. Well, I don't know. My, if, I don't think many of my parents listen to this. My Mom and Daddy let me get in a cage with a bear. It was probably just a little brown bear. But when it stood up, it was taller than me. And I was in love with bears, and I hugged it. And, you know, I was just, my whole body was hugging this bear. <laughs> I could hear Gail reading over there. She loves her book so much, she's like reading. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking. Okay. I can hear Gail thinking. Anyway, I wonder sometimes if that's where my true yeah. fear of bears comes from. Because that little bear wasn't going to hurt me, even though it was taller than I was. And I don't know what my parents were thinking, but... um. They so weren't. Anyway, I actually do ha- will alter my life to not be eaten by a bear. What was the bear movie where the reticent? No, that's not it. Oh, that was. I know yeah. what you're talking about, and yeah. I've seen it. That would Revenant. 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 Yes, yeah. that would make Leonardo anyone DiCaprio. afraid. Of, that would make anyone afraid oh my of bears. God. But I could watch it over and over. Grizzly Man. Yeah, I've seen Grizzly Man. Oh God. Well, bears. You should be afraid of bears. I know, but some people just go out there and camp out anyway where there's grizzly bears. Joanne does, but I'm not going to do it. And like, I don't mind dealing with venomous snakes, but don't, I'm not going to go near grizzly bears. So it's a phobia. We went to Kings Canyon next to Sequoia, which is truly a beautiful, beautiful park. Pretty secluded. And we got to a part of it and beside our car was a bear, a huge, huge bear wandering and kind of running by the car. And it had on a collar. And I said, you know, I feel much better that it has on a collar because obviously, you know, it's been tamed maybe. So we are le- <laughs> we're leaving the park and I say to this ranger as we're going, leaving, I go, there's a bear that, you know, followed our car with a collar. And she said, oh, yes, we call her the very, very dangerous ones. <laughs> <laughs> that whole phobia of animals is such a... A big thing. I mean, that's, that's probably, it seems to me it may be one of the largest categories of things that people are afraid of. Because as I was doing my research for this podcast, I started looking at, you know, different people who had different phobias. And so I found this list, you know, dangerous lists on the internet. But I found that Walt Disney was afraid of all things mice. No. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> Despite the fact that he created Mickey Mouse. That Eminem is afraid of giraffes and and owls, both of which I think are lovely animals. Is that the candies afraid of something? Uh, M- no, Eminem the rapper. Oh, the yeah. Marshall <laughs> Mathers. Yeah. Um, Katie Holmes is afraid of raccoons. Tyra Banks is afraid of dolphins, as are several other people. Martin Freeman, who I adore, is actually afraid of avocados, but it was just such a weird thing to be afraid of. I, I don't know the backstory there. 
And Andy Roddick, the tennis player, is afraid of rabbits. And it seems like there was somebody else. Yeah. I know. I mean, they're so threatening, aren't they? Oh, Salvador Dali was afraid of grasshoppers. So those are just a few. You can go Google it and you will spend hours being sucked down the hole of, of Google. I did go back and double check these on several sites because, you know, you can't trust everything you read on the Internet. But the one that struck me as the most interesting because I'm interested in this person in, for a variety of reasons is that Lyle Lovett is afraid of cows. Whoa. I know, of all people. Texas, I know. The sweetest so animals. He, yeah, they are. And so he, uh, he apparently, according to this post, it was because he had a severe leg fracture that he endured as a result of being attacked by a bull on his uncle's ranch. And that when um, he's confronted by cows, then he feels helpless and he runs away. So I think there should be a song in that. So, Lyle, if you're listening, and, you know, Lyle and Duchess Goldblatt are very close. So, Duchess or Lyle, if you're listening, we want to know more about fear of cows and how you overcome that. I realize, Lyle, that you had a pony that you took on your boat. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And anyway, so I'm just saying. But, yeah, so for all of the celebrities and non-celebrities out there who are afraid of animals, I'm sorry for you because there's some lovely animals out there. He's afraid, should be afraid of just bulls. Well, I think anything large and mooey. Yeah. Would be nerve-wracking. Well, I have one more phobia if we have time, and it is quite prevalent now, mascophobia. And it fear is of a breast. fear of masked people. <laughs> oh, mask. Well, or if the bear is in a mask. Yes, if the bear is in a mask. And it's related to fear of um, clowns as well. You've oh, heard yeah. of lots of children or being afraid. Or, or raccoons. Bingo. Or people committing crimes. Exactly. I have that fear. Brings to mind my sister when I offered to make her a mask when we were in the midst of COVID. She said, I tried that. And she said, I can't breathe with a mask on. And I said, well, that kind of defeats the purpose then if you fall out because you can't breathe. But she apparently has mascophobia. She cannot have anything that covers her face. There's also a great fear right now in this country of education. Yes, I know. Science. Yes. But without getting political, we won't yeah. go there. I, I, mean, no. I, did, I, I wasn't pointing at any particular political group. <laughs> Liar. Well, wait, I have a the lighter. The mystics, uh, on the other hand, have a mask to go with every ensemble. Uh, we do. Absolutely. We're not maskophobic. Uh, also, a, a phobia that I really love was off. It's the fear of belly buttons. There are lots of body part fears. It reminds me of a story my friend Kim from Philadelphia, Mississippi. There were two OBGYNs in Mississippi. Let's say Dr. Jones and Dr. Smith. One tied off the belly buttons as innies, and the other tied them off as outies. And they would always say, oh, he's a Jones. (laughs) Or he's a Smith <laughs> when they were swimming because they could always tell which doctor delivered them. <laughs> Only in Philadelphia, Mississippi. <laughs> this is fear of long words. Mary, you might have to help me here. But um, the fear of long words, and by the way, this is not recognized as a phobia by the, the phobia gurus of America, but it's hippopotamastrosiscipadelophobia. And half of that word is sesquipedelophobia, which is what they recognize, fear of long words. And I find this so true of people who come up with these things. It's making it so that people who have this fear can't tell anyone what they <laughs> <laughs> I started thinking of long words that 
frighten me, and I was getting on up toward three o'clock when y'all were going to be here, and I only came up with two. But uh, one long word that I find frightening is colonoscopy. <laughs> Very frightening. <laughs> and the other one is stegopegia, steatopegia, fear of big butt. <laughs> Fear of long words. That would be steatopigiophobia. Steatopigia is excessive fatness that, of the buttocks. That's a long word that scares oh, me. Oh, oh. A long oh, word that scares it. me. Now, I wanted to ask y'all, can, do you have long words that scare you? No, but my grandmother was scared of nostrils, and so we used to give her <laughs> noses all the time. Like, she'd open up a package, and it would be like a ceramic nose with big nostrils. <laughs> Oh, I thought maybe you kissed her with your nose. Eskimo kiss. I thought you did this number when you were kissing her. Did she her develop a phobia about grandchildren? <laughs> <laughs> yes. There is a phobia of fear of chins. Of chins? Yeah, I've been afeard of double chins <laughs> my whole life. My husband told me about on our second date that if he were a cannibal, he'd eat my chin first. <laughs> I would have divorced him right there. Right there. I cannot live with someone who thinks that way. I, I've been told I've been told I have an extra muscle under my, under my under my mouth. We're not going there. We are not going there. Well, aren't we to mystic moments? Because I have a great one. Yes, okay. We're we are now to mystic moments. And Katie has probably the same great one. I thought about that when I wrote this down, but <clears throat> while we were out west in LA we experienced an earthquake. It was a 4.5 on the Richter scale, and the epicenter was at Wayfair Chapel, or near it. So we were pretty far away from there. But our floor expanded, and then the house sort of shook. And then all the cars' horns started screeching and honking and stuff. And we, I thought, and so did the Mystic Prince, that the apartment, we were, the Airbnb we were staying in had been hit by a car. And then all of a sudden, all three of us, the light goes off and said, earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said to my son, who's been in L.A. for eight years, and so did Katie, well, what should we do? What should we do? And he goes, it's an earthquake. You know, <laughs> go outside. <laughs> he I did mean, say we could we could um, stand under a door frame, which didn't seem very helpful to me at all. That was certainly a mystic moment for me. Well, that was was for me as well. And and the realization that Rivers, who's lived there for nine years, really didn't have an answer for us. Made that was a little disturbing, just a little bit. You can't yeah. run away from an earthquake. Yeah, that's that. I think that may be exactly what he said. Because of our trip, I missed my one of my granddaughter's birthdays, the day of. So I took her out yesterday afternoon, and we went to get pedicures. And we took her cousin along, too. And I foolishly said, would you all like to pick my colors? So I I will post a picture. It's called candy. What do you call that stuff? Cotton candy. So I have a blue and a pink and a blue and a pink and a blue and a pink. And I usually, like, have the most muted if I do take nail polish at all it's very muted so I feel like that my toes feel very mystic at the moment and they won't last so it'll be a fleeting mystic moment when I saw your picture of your foot online it's the only one and only time I've said maybe it's good I don't have grandchildren oh, <laughs> um, my mystic moment was I have an old dog she will be well she's 14 and a half and she cannot see she knows her way around by her nose 
and we were walking just around the compound and I looked up and there was a mama deer and not quite a yearling and a spotted fawn, all three standing there looking at us. And of course the dog couldn't see them and they just sat there and I guess they knew the dog wasn't going to chase them because they just watched us walk by and then went back to grazing. Very mystical. Well, my mystic moment is bittersweet. It was 11 years ago this past week that I found Heathcliff, the love of my life. He lived 10 years the day that we found him, which was September 22nd. John David and I had a long slideshow, starting with when he was a puppy until this, this past November. The statute of limitations has run. Would you like to tell how you got Heathcliff? No, 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 no. That doesn't mean we won't all be arrested. Let's just say we saved each other. We rescued each other. (laughs) But that was my mystic. I mean, it was the most mystic thing. It was the most mystical 10 years of my life. And its anniversary was this week. We've enjoyed seeing all the pictures, too. Thank you. Well, I would like to say that I continually have to remind the mystics that we don't want to be arrested. Please quit telling the whole story. (laughs) We have a mystic defender. She doesn't have a microphone, though, because we won't let her. (laughs) We're not giving that over. (laughs) Listen, guys, I can't top y'all's mystic moments right now, so I'm just going to say I'm looking forward to some next week. Shouldn't we say, be the flame? Not Not the the moth. moth. Not the moth. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Be the moth.